Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the special edition of the Four Years Fire American Soccer Show, USA hosting Uruguay uh, post-match show. And this one ends up to be a scoreless draw. And you know what? Excellent, excellent opportunity for this young USA team against a quality side, a very big quality side against Uruguay. Edison Cavani, of course, uh, on this on this national team, Diego Rossi, formerly of LAFC, uh, Jimenez, and so many talented uh, Uruguayans on this squad here as both sides are going to the World Cup later in this uh, later in this year, in the winter, in the middle of November. And one thing is for sure. One thing is for sure. This is the type of talent this young USA team is going to be facing. I know that we have good, solid players that are playing in Europe. We have some good, solid players here in MLS, a part of this national team. But once again, once again, when you're going to face a team like Uruguay, whether it be in the group stage or if you make it to the knockout rounds, you're going to face this type of competition and... This was solid. Um, I, you know, sloppy first 10 minutes, I thought, for, this, for our boys. I thought first, first 10 minutes, not so good. But then they got into it the rest of the first half, and then they just played solidly for the entire second half. And once again, these are the type of games that you're going to expect our young national team to play against or to be in. Because once again, it's a situation where – this is going to be their very first World Cup. Whoever's going to be on this roster, this will be their very first World Cup. And I don't want to—I—I—I I, I don't want to stress this too much. But even though we're not there yet, and we got Nations League games coming up this coming Friday and next Tuesday, and then of course uh, the next and final international window will be in September, and that will probably be the send-off series. Uh, for our national team, and then you get to the World Cup itself in the no- middle of November. Um, don't be shocked and don't be surprised if our boys go three and out. Now, I'm not saying I want that to happen, and I'm not saying I'm hoping for that to happen, but just don't be surprised if it does happen to be like that. Because once again, it's not about what you do against a certain team here and there. It's how you're going to perform against those teams. And if we're going to face a team like that in the group stage, either through the Welsh, the English, or the Iranians, it's still going to be a very difficult match, no matter who they're going to be playing in their group. If you can get out of the group with four points coming down or more, four or five points to get out of the group, then I believe they'll have a good chance to get into the knockout stages. And then whatever 
whatever happens from there, we just have to sit back and watch and see what's going to happen. Because the truth of the matter is this. Do I think the U.S. can get out of the group? I think they can. But they really need to get the points, or at least a point, against the Welsh and against the English. So that is going to be a huge task for them ahead of time. Uh, Going into the final match against Iran in the group stage, that has to be three points. Because that's going to be more of a uh, political uh, mess than a football match. And that's for sure, because there will be plenty of implications. Even though I still want revenge from 98 against the Iranians from that loss in France, once again, it has to be said, these are the types of matches on the international level, especially in these friendly games that you want to play against opponents who are in the World Cup, not in our group, but we could face them in the knockout stage depending on how far the USA goes. Um, I thought the attacks were strong. Uh, The finishing was not, but that's why you're playing against these teams that have solid defenses, and that's what Uruguay has. (coughs) Excuse me. Solid defense, solid attackers, and they're up for a game no matter who they are or no matter what the designation of of said game is. If you can hear that noise, once again, I'm coming to you from St. Mary's Hospital in Passaic, New Jersey. Uh, Once again, I am in the hospital for a procedure uh, to... uh, get an infection out of me, which is halfway, the battle is halfway done. Now I've got to get ready for the other half of that battle. But other than that, once again, this was an excellent test for the U.S. And they really had a great, great opportunity. And whether they were going to get goals or not, this is the type of match you need to learn from. This is the type of match you need to know how to navigate on the pitch against a quality side like that. Because if you look through South American football. And I mean, we all know Argentina and Brazil are the top two sides. Uruguay, you could probably say, if they're not struggling, is the third top side uh, of the the conference, or should I say the confederation. And also, you would also have to say that, you know, Colombia is still a good side. Paraguay has been up and down. Bolivia has not been uh, strong. Venezuela has their moments, but they're not strong either, even though they do produce great players and even some good players, obviously one being on the New York Red Bulls and Christian Casares Jr. Um, You also have to say that uh, when you look at Ecuador, they're an up-and-coming power that can definitely be dangerous. Uh, You have to be careful with them as well. So, And Peru has also shown to be a side that's coming into their own when it, and even Chile, that has won two consecutive Copa Americas before falling in the last tournament where Argentina finally got the Copa America title uh, about a couple of years ago. So once again, this is a situation for the U.S. where they have to be strong. They have to be mentally strong and mentally sharp as well. Because these are the type of games, like I've said, you cannot fall asleep on. You cannot fall asleep on these opponents because they will punish you every opportunity they had. And they had that one moment towards the final moments of second half stoppage time where I thought Edison Cavani was going to bury that ball and he goes wide 
of the front post. He goes completely wide to the back post, and he should have buried it. Should have buried it. Should have had a 1-0 victory for Uruguay. But you know what? There's nothing wrong with a scoreless draw against a quality side like Uruguay. And like I've said already, you already know I've already said this, they'll give you a game no matter what the designation is, either an official competition or a friendly, no matter what it is, whether it be, like I said, the Copa America, a World Cup, a World Cup qualifier, um, even though, like I said, it's even the friendly. It does not matter. Uruguay is up for the challenge, and they are ready to go. And to see former Inter-Miami head coach Diego Alonso um, managing this Uruguay side, you know, you just have to say that nothing against Diego Alonso at all. I, I just don't think it was a right fit for him for what David Beckham and the Moss brothers were trying to do uh, to have this, uh, this team and, and the tactics that they were trying to get together and go forward with an all-star cast that just did not gel, did not work. And for inter Miami, it, you know, it, it, for Diego Alonso, they, they parted their separate ways. And now Alonso's with the Uruguayan national team. And uh, I think he's done a very good job to save them uh, for their world cup campaign. And they qualified out of South America, Conmebol. So that's been pretty good. Um, what can I say about Christian Pulisic? is that I'm not going to criticize him heavily. I think he did a good job, but you can tell that he can he's easily you know, pushed off the ball and maybe and I'm not saying he's got to bulk up and be like, you know, Hulk Hogan or Arnold Schwarzenegger when they were younger and you know, bulked up and everything, but once again, I just think he needs to gain some weight and I think he needs to gain some muscle and I really think he's got to be harder to be knocked off the ball. Uh, I think that's the only criticism I have of him. Other than that, I thought he played well. Um, and I thought he did an excellent job trying to bring up the attack and try to be as a creative playmaker and, of course, setting up chances for himself and for his teammates. Um, Sean Johnson, you know, regardless of where he is, even when he was starting with the Chicago Fire in MLS, I really thought he deserved an opportunity for the U.S. men's national team. And, yes, he's been on the roster many, many times. Uh, his name has never been called on to start a match. He finally gets to start. I thought he had a very good match today. And, once again, this is not based on his uh, play with New York City FC. This is based on his overall career in MLS. Once again, you know, with the Chicago Fire and with New York City FC, I thought Sean Johnson finally got an opportunity to be the starter for the men's national team. And I thought he looked strong. As we all know, Zach Steffen bowed out in this window, in these windows because he's unsure of his place. And here's my argument once again. And you know what? This argument will continue on with American goalkeepers being in the Premier League, or at least playing in England, yet not getting the opportunity to start. Yes, I know it's not Tim Howard out there anymore, or Brad Friedel, or Casey Keller, or Tony Miola. I, I understand that we don't have that quality type of goalkeeper uh, back in that, you know, back when we had them at that time. And for me, and I'll continue to say this until I'm blue in the face, and I know you, those of you that are 
you know, supporting American players to play in Europe that, well, they're training with the best players in the world. Training minutes does not give you starting minutes out on the pitch. And I'm talking about in and out matches in league play. I'm not talking about the occasional FA Cup match or the occasional uh, League Cup match that goes on in Europe. I'm talking about doing the whole shebang, the whole situation. If you are just going to be there as a backup, a backup, and that's what Zach Steffen is, a backup. No matter what you're going to tell me, it's very plain and simple. He should not be starting. Matt Turner was the starting goalkeeper for the New England Revolution, but because he plays in MLS, you're going to throw him away. Poo-poo him. Just, just, just not even give him consideration. Now he's going to Arsenal. Now he'll be a different goalkeeper. But once again, with Arsenal, he's going to be the backup. And the point I make is this, is if Matt Turner can find a way to put himself into position at Arsenal if they're not going to do well, and he forces Arteta's hand to use him as a starting goalkeeper for several matches in a row, and they are on a hot streak. Well, then you forced yourself into the starting 11, and then you can lay claim to being the starting goalkeeper for the U.S. men's national team. Because some way, somehow, either Matt Turner, Zach Steffen, or Ethan Horvath, one of those three has to really step it up and say to the manager, I am not a backup anymore. I am a starter for your club. I deserve starting minutes. I deserve to be a starter. I deserve to be in that net for every single Premier League match that is on the schedule. That's all they have to do, and that's all they have to say. Have the mindset not to be a backup, but to be a starter for every single match that they must play. And if one of those three can do that, I feel comfortable. And once again, I'm not saying that they have to return to MLS. I'm not saying they have to return to stateside. I'm not saying they have to be... Uh, you know, playing somewhere in, in, in the lower levels of, of American soccer. All I'm saying is, is this, is that if they want to be a starting goalkeeper for the men's national team and they're not getting it in the Premier League or at least getting it with their club, which of course is Zach Steffen is Man City, well then where are you going to get the starting minutes? How can you be a starting goalkeeper for the U.S. men's national team if you are considered a backup at your club in Europe? That's why I have stressed this over and over and over again. I feel more comfortable having someone getting regular minutes no matter where they're playing. They could be in Germany. They can be in Italy. They can be in Spain. They can be in France. They can be in Scotland. They can be in England. They can be in Wales. They can be in Romania or Hungary, Switzerland for all I care, Austria, Russia, Wherever, I don't care. As long as they're the starting goalkeeper for their club, then they should be the starting goalkeeper for the U.S. men's national team. I don't care if they're playing in South America or they're playing in Liga MX. If they're the starting goalkeeper for their club side anywhere in the world, even domestically at home, 
then you, my friend, are the starting goalkeeper of the U.S. men's national team. Even if you go to the championship, even if you go to Football League One or Football League Two or any of the professional leagues past Football League Two in England, and you're there on loan, and you're there to be their starting goalkeeper for a certain amount of matches, and then here comes the international break. What do you do? You get called up. You play goal. You keep the ball out. Your, you know, your your match fit. Your mind is match sharp, and you go out there, and you do a job. I think I've been reasonable, and you know these loan deals are simple enough. You don't have to add the, you know, you can that club can purchase your player. You can do these loan deals without a purchase to buy. That's all. You can go ahead and say, you can have our goalkeeper for the entire season. As long as he's starting, he's, you, you, know, you, can, you can play him in your league games. You face us in either the League Cup or the FA Cup, you've got to sit him. Because we don't want to face him. Remember, there are rules to this type of situation, ladies and gentlemen. And then what's going to happen when the, you know, the European leagues restart? And let's just say for the hell of it, Zach Steffen is still with Manchester City and he's still the backup. And what happens if Matt Turner doesn't fight for the starting position at Arsenal? Nottingham Forest has Ethan Horvath. What, you know, they're back in the Premier League starting this upcoming season. Is he going to fight to become the starter for, the, for Nottingham Forest? I don't know. I really don't know. But the truth of the matter is this. The truth is, I don't feel comfortable having players in goal that are not match fit. And they're not sharp match in and match out. Zach Steffen has shown that. He bowed out to try and get a place in Man City to find out where does he fit for the future of his club career at Manchester City with Pep Guardiola. Is he the starter or is he going to be the backup for the rest of his career? And if you American soccer fans, if you feel that having him as a backup is the next best thing to being a starter and still starting for the U.S. men's national team, well, I'm sad to tell you this, but you're delusional. You're delusional if you believe, if you believe that being a backup at one of the best clubs in England, winning four out of the last five Premier League titles, backup is good enough for you. I'm not saying he's a backup coming. I'm not saying he's a substitute off the bench to get 10 to 15 to 20 minutes here and there, to be a spot starter here and there in a Premier League game. I'm talking about being a pure backup because the one game he started in the Premier League, that's because Edison, who is the goalkeeper, the starting goalkeeper for Brazil, 
had to stay another couple of days longer because they had to make up for one of those match days in Conmebol due to the coronavirus situation. And as two match days, two slates of it were wiped out because of COVID. And they had to play three games in one week. Edison, you cannot fly back from Brazil to England and not get jet lagged. Stefan was forced to start. And that was it. One match. Oh, and you wanted to prove me wrong. One match here. Oh, look, you see, he's starting. He's starting. I'm like, oh, yeah? Is he going to start the next league match? How about the next league match? How about the next league match? The next league match? The next league match. Where was Zach Stefan? On the bench. Where was he starting? The League Cup games. Where is he starting next? The FA Cup games. Once again, you want to sound foolish, you want to sound silly, be my guest. Grasp at straws as much as you want. But that, my friends, is why just to have a winner's medal and being the backup for me at Manchester City is not enough to convince me he is the starting goalkeeper for the U.S. men's national team. And when Matt Turner starts as a backup for Arsenal, I will say the same thing. I will say the same thing. Consistency is key. Period. For a goalkeeper. Consistency. Because we're not going to get the consistency. It's all going to go into hell into a handbasket. And I don't want that. Do you want that? Because it sounds like you do. Everyone wants to poo-poo American players from Major League Soccer who make it on the roster for these World Cup qualifiers or the World Cup itself. Truth of the matter is this. Not every scout is going to see all, all these players on one singular weekend. We need MLS. They need the minutes to show their stuff to be a part of the national team, and then they can get scouted by these clubs in Europe. I mean, look what happened with Brendan Aronson. He goes from the Philadelphia to Red Bull Salzburg, and now he's at Leeds with Jesse Marsh. That is incredible. That is stupendous. And who knows? Maybe Tyler Adams will be leaving Red Bull Leipzig and head to Leeds too and to re, you know, rejoin Jesse Marsh to be in the midfield. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but it could. Caden Clark going to Red Bull Leipzig. We have so many different players playing in MLS, going to different leagues in different countries. And they have an opportunity to be on this national team. It's time to stop thinking about where the players are coming from and root for the national team as a whole. The time to take sides is over. Don't be upset if certain players are not playing in Europe, because if they are doing well for the national team, then they deserve their place on the national team, period. 
once again, we cannot ignore talent wherever it comes. If they get scouted and then they go to Europe right away, well, congratulations to them, and let's hope they make the national team. If they come from MLS, make the national team, happy for them, then make the move to Europe even happier. Because that is what you're supposed to do. Do well in your own domestic league, and if you are scouted from afar and you make it to Europe, to the big, to the big ball in Europe, then you've got it made and you should be on the national team, period. But once again, if you support this national team, you support every player internationally and domestically where they play. Support them fully, period. And that's why I keep saying this, but if you're going to ignore it and you're going to say, well, I don't believe in that, well, then you're the one that's lost. You're the one that doesn't know anything about the game. Minutes are minutes. The levels are different. I understand that. But minutes are minutes. And if they're getting the minutes, they've got to go out and do the job. To put themselves in a better position, not just for themselves, but for the national team of the United States. So until then, until then, let's not worry about where they're coming from. Let's just hope and see what this national team can do. Once again, this is the Four Scenes Fire American Soccer Show, special USA versus Uruguay postgame show. This ended in a scoreless draw. And once again, I thought it was an excellent test for the U.S. No goals scored from either side. But once again, Uruguay is a quality side coming out of South America. This was a great challenge for the U.S. And I truly believe that they are going to do well in the World Cup. But once again, these are the type of games that you need to play. And these are the type of... These are the type of opponents that you must be facing when you get to the knockout stage. Even in the group stage, you'll face a team like this. And you've got to make sure that you are going to be ready to go and ready to fight and ready to battle. Other than that, nothing wrong here at all. I really enjoyed what I saw. And it's just, it's just been good. It's just, it was just a very solid match for the U.S. Some things to, to ponder, some things to be happy about, and some things to criticize, and some things to say, you know what, not bad. But they did a good job, and that's all you really want to see from our kids. Plain and simple. That's what you wanted to see. That's what we got, and that's why I was happy with the result, and I was happy with the performance. A bit slow to start the first 10 minutes. Other than that, they were right in gear. Could have had some opportunities. Either just missed or saved by the goalkeeper. And that's all you can really say or do. Now, I'm going to say one final thing here. And I, I usually don't want to talk about myself. I really don't want to talk about myself. Because this is something that I tried not to do. I, I, I don't want to get involved in a war of words and everything like that and going on and 
you know, if it's involving myself. But, you know, I have to say this, and I know I said this on Twitter, but I really have to say it because I want to say thank you, John Strong, for proving me right. I want to thank John Strong on the Fox Sports uh, broadcast for today's USA-Uruguay match. They brought up the friendly against Mexico at MetLife Stadium back in 2019 on Labor Day weekend. Yours truly saw something he did not like. He saw American players getting rough-shotted all over by Mexico. They lost 3-0 to a veteran Mexican side that were the better side. Everyone else in the press was asking him questions about certain players and, and certain situations, and they were being kind. What did I ask when I asked my question? Yes, maybe I was a little bit more direct, and yes, maybe I was a little bit more harsh, but what I saw is what I saw. Head spinning. Mexico doing one-touch, two-touch passes on our players, getting behind them. They had a great opening 15 minutes in both halves, but the rest of the match, they were destroyed and ran over. But I was trying to soften the blow a little bit when I said to Greg Berhalter, there's a lot of one-touch, two-touch passes from Mexico going forward. It, it seemed like uh, some of the players were not catching up. And I was wondering, what did you say to them uh, in the locker room to, be, to, to prepare them for the second half? And he got overly defensive. And he was upset because how dare I ask that question? How dare I ask him a question like that? You know, I felt bad. I thought I was asking a, a solid question. I thought I was asking him, you know, a, a, a good question, a challenging question. And then he got upset. I went to apologize because I said to myself, you know what, let me do the right thing here. I'm going to apologize. He didn't want to hear it, and he walked out on me, pouting back to the locker room. How dare I ask that question? And I want to say thank you to John Strong for pointing out 2019 because our kids back then got pulverized. They were ran over. Whether he liked it or not, question had to be asked. I had to ask that question. It was a good question. It was a fair question. It was a solid question. Yet I get criticized for it. When you are the head coach of the U.S. men's national team, and when you are seeing things that are not working the way that you are planning it to be, you have to answer the hard questions. You have to ask the hard questions. And if you're not going to ask the hard questions, then what the hell are you there for? Because that would be dishonest if you are not going to ask the hard questions. And as a matter of fact, since then, I don't have uh, credentials anymore with U.S. soccer. 
they revoked my uh, availability. And you know what? That's fine. That's okay. I'm not crying. I'm not going to cry over it. I'm not going to, you know, pout over it. I'm not going to, you know, whine over spilled milk. But the point is, if Greg Berhalter is going to have his ass fluffed for the wrong reasons, well, guess what? It ain't coming from me. And it shouldn't come from me. And it shouldn't come from the press corps either. Because I want to see our national team hoist that little trophy. I have given Greg Berhalter credit where credit is due. He beat Mexico in the Nations League in the first ever Nations League final of CONCACAF. He beat Mexico in extra time in the Gold Cup last summer. Two trophies last summer over Mexico. A 2-0 victory at home in World Cup qualifying. Three big victories in a, within a calendar year over Mexico. And a sensational draw down at the Azteca this past, January, this past March. Four positive results over Mexico. Should they have beaten Mexico at the Azteca? Yes. But stealing a point from there, from the monster on the mountain, is still good enough for me. The truth is this. I can give praise to Greg Berhalter whenever he does good. I'm not looking to bash him every opportunity I get. If he does well, I praise him. If they don't do well, I'll let him have it. And the truth of the matter is this, and I said this last year in the first window of World Cup qualifying in September. I, had, I gave him the draw at El Salvador at the Estadio Cus Castellan. I went against him in the home draw against Canada at Nissan Stadium in Nashville. I destroyed him in the first half on the road at Honduras. And then he saved his own rear end to make those subs at halftime and get the four goals in Honduras in the second half to save his job. Whether or not his job was safe or not, in my mind, that should have been a firing if he would have gotten a poor result in Honduras. He also got a poor result in Panama, yet he got victories over Costa Rica and Jamaica at home. And then he got the 2-0 victory against Mexico at home. Okay, the 1-1 draw was not great, but at the same time they were fortunate on a lucky whistle that went for them when there should have been a goal scored by Jamaica. Jamaica should have won that match 2-1. We had no VAR then. They implemented VAR in January, which that was wrong. CONCACAF. It only took till this, win, this past window in March that Greg Perhalter got everything right. 
got the tactics right and the game plan right against Mexico and got the game plan right and the tactics right against Panama in Orlando. I didn't have a problem with the loss against Costa Rica in Costa Rica because Costa Rica needed to score four goals. And Costa Rica did not have four goals in them to overtake the U.S. and push them into the playoff. They only had two goals in them, and the USA did enough to hold on to their automatic spot to go to the World Cup and qualify. Not the ideal way to qualify, but they qualified. He did his job to qualify out of CONCACAF. And I am happy about that. Thrilled about that. And now they have an opportunity against the Welsh, the English, and the Iranians. And all I'm saying is, Burhalter deserves the credit, but when he deserves the blame, he deserves the blame. And that is why I am saying what I am saying now. Because I'd like to thank, once again, John Strong from Fox Sports to proving me correct when they mentioned the friendly against Mexico at MetLife Stadium on Labor Day weekend, or after the weekend after Labor Day, I should say. Where our boys got ran over by Mexico and Greg Berhalter had his poor pride uh, bruised by me. Unintentionally. I'm asking a good, solid, hard question. And unfortunately, he doesn't like that. So that's all I want to say about that. Other than that, it's time for the Nations League. This upcoming Friday night, the United States will be hosting Grenada in Austin, Texas at the Q2 Stadium. That will be seen on ESPN Plus and as well as TUDN and Univision uh, at 10 o'clock Eastern, 9 Central. And then, of course, that will be on Friday, the 10th of June. And on Tuesday, June 14th, the United States returns to El Salvador at the Estadio Cus Castellan to take on the Salvadorians. And that will be seen on Fox Sports 1, also at 10 o'clock Eastern Time, 9 o'clock Central. Check your local listings for the channel number, uh, depending on uh, what cable or satellite provider you have. Or just go online to either ESPN Plus uh, on your streaming devices, Fox Sports app on your streaming devices. There will be post-match on both games. Shouldn't be much uh, against... Uh, Grenada, but the one against El Salvador, we should have a lot of fun. Uh, so other than that, it's going to be uh, interesting to see what Nations League is going to do. We're already into it. Got some interesting uh, matches that are being played, currently being played right now. And then uh, in this double window, and then off we go, and uh, we'll see what happens with the U.S. I can definitely tell you this. In uh, League A, U.S. with Grenada and El Salvador. Grenada will probably finish dead last. That is if uh, they can uh, get a victory over El Salvador uh, on their soil, but we'll see what happens then. But other than that, this has been the 40 Scenes Fire American Soccer Show. 
This has been USA versus Uruguay post-match show. Uh, once again, it's a scoreless draw. And now we move on to the Nations League. Oh, yes, I forgot one more thing. Um, I thought they had a great match against Morocco. I know I was supposed to have a post-match show, but I didn't have ESPN2 here in my hospital room, so I uh, couldn't watch it. But I did uh, get uh, to watch some highlights once again. I was able to get home quickly to uh, watch that match. And I have to say... They had a great game. They had a very solid match against Morocco. Uh, first, I think, first time they faced an African side not in the World Cup in a friendly. And, uh, you know, look, I give credit to Morocco for giving them a match. USA had some great goals. Great goals, of course, uh, set up between Brendan Aronson and Christian Pulisic and Tim Weah with a bomber. Great ball. And then, of course, you have Haji Wright converting the penalty to make it 3-0 for the U.S. and uh, did a great job at TQL Stadium in Cincinnati. And to the comments that um, Christian Pulisic made, you know, I'm not going to get into that too much. I mean, you would have to think that there would be a good amount of Moroccans that live in the United States or those Moroccans that are working in Florida at Epcot in Walt Disney World in the World Showcase at their pavilion because obviously – you would like to think that some of these Moroccans would be making the trip from Florida to Cincinnati to watch their national team play. So all I can say is is that ill-timing by Pulisic about the crowd size and the amount of Americans that did show up, uh, you're going to have to talk to the boys or the people uh, running the, the ticket prices in the front office of U.S. soccer because they're the ones that set those prices. And uh, all you can say is is that uh, I think that was a uh, a situation where Pulisic shouldn't have said what he did, but he did. I don't think he should be completely grilled for it, but you know what? He's got to face the consequences of his actions so and his verbal words. So that's all you can really say about that. Other than that, uh, everything's great. Everything's good. And that's all you can really say. So once again... Scoreless draw between the United States and Uruguay. Time for the Nations League, and uh, we will catch you on post-match shows, and then we'll get right back to Four Scenes Fire American soccer shows uh, after USA versus Grenada. Uh, my name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football and enjoy the summer months and the summertime and the hot football that we all love. Take care so long, and bye-bye for now.